Hey, it's Tom here. Just wanted to record a quick intro for episode two of the Pillar Pod. This episode is with Vedya again and myself. And we get a little further into Vedya's career. We talk about him starting his first business. Um, it gets off to a little bit of a goofy start for me. Just I couldn't figure out how to start the episode. So it sounds kind of wonky, but uh, I thought we hit a pretty good rhythm here. And I think it's really interesting to hear about the naming of, of Pillar, which was Apps Freedom. And... Um, you know, them still trying to figure out some messaging and some positioning. Again, I think it's it's really interesting to get the behind-the-scenes look at this stuff as it happens. So I hope you enjoy. Last time we finished up, we were talking about you basically with your toes up to the edge of in and starting what looks like the first thing that is, you know, truly yours, the first time that you become an entrepreneur or um, I know that you had spun up other business units, but this one feels like the first thing that was 100% yours. So tell me about what was going on around that time and, and what that business was all about. Okay. So uh, I, I wanted to get back to the, you know, the, the whole entrepreneurial, you know, piece, you know, given my past you know, experience in the Bay Area, I've been, you know, trying that for a while. It just so happened that it, you know, um, you know, bear some fruit at that time, right? Um, so, so I, I wanted to come out and, you know, start something outside the, the true or the typical SAP consulting work. Um, you know, there was this whole, uh, Google, Yahoo, widgets, gadgets, things coming along. Um, I, uh, you know, the, there was other opportunities, you know, in terms of mobile, I was not 100%, you know, um, clear as to, you know, what exactly the product would be, but I knew that, um, you know, I, I had the general sense of direction uh, of, you know, where I need to go. Um, so I went to the founders of, of my company um, and I told them and, you know, they were, you know, really good to back me up. And they said, you know what? Yep, go ahead venture out and, you know, we will fund you. So, so they decided to fund me on their own, not as their company, but, you know, on their own, uh, they, they decided to fund me and even let me use uh, the, the brand name of Seal. Uh, so I came out, started this company, Seal Innotech, and we were doing a bunch of things. Um, with my background in, in SAP, I knew I had to be around SAP. Um, so I first started with this whole Google Apps, um, you know, and that was, you know, getting some traction at that time with all the Google, you know, mails and all the Google applications. Um, so I started integrating that, you know, with SAP, um, you know, started integrating in those days, you know, there was just Google gadgets and Yahoo widgets and other things coming out. So, you know, I started integrating that with SAP and, and you know, Steve Jobs released iPhone. So I started over that as well. At the end of the day, I was trying to really give a better user experience, um, you know, to to people, um, you know, using SAP. So that was the goal, um, and and the user experience came in through whatever tools people were used to, you know, emails, Gmails, uh, Google Docs, uh, widgets, you know, phone apps, whatever that might be. Do I understand properly that if you had to, again, I'm not technical so trying to figure out 
you know, in one sentence, the problem that that business solved, it sounds like it was a user interface thing. So you have SAP behind whatever's in front of it, this big, powerful engine that is potentially really hard to use on a mobile phone, the early mobile phones. Is that right? Yes, it was a user experience problem, no question. Um, and and the SAP user experience is SAP is not really known for its user experience. So that was the problem I wanted to I wanted to solve. Um, and how I solved it was irrespective at that point because there was different technologies available, right? But it was all around the user experience problem. Got it. And you said the word we. Um, who was with you in those days? Like. What what did the team look like? Were, were you by yourself or did you have help? Um, I started with myself um, and then I went and hired, you know, some of the old colleagues that I've worked with. Um, so, you know, this is folks I knew um, and that's how it started. Um, so yeah, it was not me alone. Um, you know, I could not do this alone. And, and most of the business was really consulting type of engagements, um, Tom, um, so, you know, I could, you know, place people in projects and, you know, whatever the user interface or the tool, you know, could be, uh, but really, you know, connect that to SAP and, you know, get the data out and, you know, give a better user experience. So, so yeah, we, you know, I, I definitely had a team. I started building a team at that time. I want to come back to that as well, but um, tell me about how your skill set started to evolve you know i think the word that you used in our last conversation was you were a hardcore programmer and now your newest where we are now your newest experience is going to require a different or new set of skills so so tell me about that shift so uh, before i started this uh, when i had built the practices in my previous uh, firm uh, practice building was not just the technology and the people and the resourcing and skill sets and everything. We also had to go and sell. So the first couple of practices around integration, around BI, you know, that was a sales team and I used to go with the sales team. So I used to do a lot of, you know, pre-sales engagement. The last practice that I built, which was around manufacturing, I didn't have any takers from the sales team to, to go out and sell. Um, and I was, you know, pretty adamant about building this practice. I had my founders backing. Uh, I had a wonderful mentor, you know, by the name Bill, um, who who came from the manufacturing side and, you know, a, a C-level executive. Uh, and, you know, he coached me on the sales side as well, in addition to building a practice. So I really started getting some of this sales skills, sales skills, skills um, in in building the manufacturing practice uh, in the in the previous uh, role, right, and that is what gave me confidence to go and start and you know take this role. Um, you know, to be to be honest, now if I if I look back into those days when I started Tag, I was under the impression that I can go and sell. I you know. I was wrong. <laughs> you know, going back and looking into things, I was confident that was good, but I was learning on the fly. You know, it was it was not something that was natural to me um, to, you know, go and, you know, start selling, right? Uh, one thing that was clear to me that worked for me was, um, you know, really using my skill sets around problem solving. 
Um, so, um, you know, if I could solve a problem for a customer, the customer engaged me, you know, for the, for the business. And, and, and that is how, you know, sales worked for me, you know, at that time. Um, and and obviously, as we, as we grew, we started getting a few salespeople and you know, other things. Were you selling to other technical folks back then, or was it C level people? Who who was the initial like some of your first sales calls with? It was it was always the IT departments. So it was technical people, so that was a little bit of comfort factor, or you know, at least that was my domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was selling to the C-level ex- executives, you know, a VP, director, or a, you know, CIO kind of a thing. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, C-level, uh, upper management, but uh, definitely technical folks. So one thing that we hit on that I want to circle back to is building a team. Um, I want to ask you just a broad question to see where you take it, but tell me about how you think about recruiting and, and building a team and, and getting people bought into a common goal? So for me, when I, when I'm, what I look for from a, from a team standpoint is um, the right attitude, uh, flexibility, um, you know, that, you know, syncing up in terms of, you know, um, the mindset uh, you know those those skills are you know important to me. Obviously, you need to have the right skill sets, um, and and that is a given. Um, but I look at you know these things uh, when when you try to hire. Um, so so as a, as a, as a natural instinct, uh, when I was building the team, I went to the people that I worked before because you know at least all that soft skills and flexibility and, and all of those things are taken care of, right? It's, it's uh, you know, the, the technical skills and other things, which again, if you, if you know the person, you kind of know, you know, what they're strong and weak in, right? So the first thing I really did, Tom, was really pull the, pull the you know, a, a fantastic people that I knew all along, um, you know, into my team. Um, it does take some, you know, some, sometimes, you know, challenge to sell the vision because you're young, you really don't have a, you know, uh, you know, any big revenue. So all you're really selling is, is the vision and, you know, getting them excited. That's about it. Um, you know, and, and sometimes that works with certain people and sometimes it doesn't. Right. Um, and if it doesn't work, you know, although that person might be great, you know, he or she might not be a fit for you. So I was able to, you know, pull people who are great in what they do and, you know, also, you know, got them excited on, you know, what, what I was thinking and, you know, they had the right mindset to, you know, be flexible and, you know, kind of take the risk and, you know, you know, jump on board. Tell me a little bit more about um, the first words out of your mouth were attitude. And then you also said mindset. So tell me what you believe are the elements that make up what you're after for attitude and mindset. And are those still the same ones that you look for today when you're hiring at pillar? Yes, they're more or less the same. Um, one of the things that I like to go after is what I call as a, as a low maintenance, <laughs> um, you know, that if, if no matter how great that individual or personality is, I, 
don't want to spend time in in maintaining that you know it, it has to be someone who doesn't take my time on a day to day basis right uh, not just from a work standpoint from everything else so i i definitely look for that um, you know low maintenance um, high productivity you know that that's that's definitely a trait that that i look for um and uh, flexibility to move around um areas um you know i i i i don't want someone who is very rigid on what they do and this is what you know they might be great there might be other things where they may not be great but if they're willing to move around and learn i'm i'm all all up for it right um so low maintenance high productivity um uh, you know uh, flexibility um and I, as i like to call it you know to move move around different things basically if there's a problem tom i i want that person to jump in and jump in and um you know work at it he or she may not be the best person to do it but if that's the only person available jump in do it don't wait for the right person to come in and find that person so those are the three or uh, three things um you know that that i look for and the and the other fourth thing important to me is culture um i want to make sure that the people who come in into the team have the right kind of um you know culture mindset attitude uh, i try to avoid conflicts uh, you know within the team um again it goes back to the low maintenance high productivity uh, model for me so, somewhat related but a little bit separate was this the first role where you started calling yourself a ceo yes what did that feel like i didn't think about it too much at that time uh i was still um focused on doing what i need to do um to me a title is always uh, outward facing uh, within the company that i am very passionate about that i tell everyone is remember that we all work with each each other it's not nobody is working for anyone if you're all working with each other to get the job done we just have to put a title when it is outward facing and that is still my attitude today you know i still feel everybody works with each other in the company yeah you have to put a title because the other person may not know what your role is and that's about it um but once you're inside you just do what needs to be done so i didn't really give that much of a thought to a ceo title or 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 anything of that sort got it um so close the gap for me on from this time period as we transition into apps freedom which eventually becomes pillar so one of the things i realized in this um engagement was um there was tons of people required to do what i needed to do so if i want to uh you know build a you know google gadget for sap or a mobile app for sap um you know i needed an sap technical person i needed a you know business guy uh, you know for sap a functional person a, a you know somebody to connect all the dots a middleware services guy and an ios person an android person it was just on and on and on and at that time there was also a lot of you know the android flavors coming in so it was very highly competitive and it was very clear that tom there is no way i could scale and hire so many people to just service the customers i have right so um i just i decided to solve my own problem 
and and all and all I was trying to do my problem was how could I service my customers without having to hire this expensive you know um, highly experienced people um, and and get it done much faster better so on and so forth how can I get you know hire a college graduate for example and get the same output that I am doing with all of these people that I have you know for a large Fortune 500 company right. Uh, so that's all. That's all I I, I set out to do. You know, so uh, I had built some assets in in my you know in Celinotech, uh, in terms of repeatable code and other things. Um, I decided to leverage all of that and really build a platform. Uh, and this platform is is was supposed to be the bridge for me where I can get someone who is tech savvy but not really a, a programmer by any means. And still deliver, you know, really the complex applications, mission critical applications my customer needs. Uh, so that's how this platform was born. That is all, you know, we set out to do. As we started setting out to do, we um, realized that the platform is not a simple, you know, spit out an app kind of a thing. You know, we need integration and integration has to be really native to these applications. We decided to venture outside SAP because a lot of customers are not always SAP. They use Oracle and Salesforce and databases. And so so we expanded that uh, portfolio. Uh, a, a lot of my background comes from manufacturing and supply chain. So we knew that if you're in a warehouse or, you know, in a remote location, you cannot take... Uh, connectivity for granted and you know you need to have a very consistent user experience uh, the the user experience has to be reliable you know always available you know uh, improve productivity all of those things so all the external factors which was influencing this had to be taken out so we had to build something for uh, really very reliable experience whether you are connected or not connected for extended period of time so all of those things you know really started to come in um, and spent tons of time and money and effort on, on building the platform. Honestly, I spent about, I would say, 110 to 120 man years in just building the platform, um, you know. In, 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 and so it, it turned out to be a much bigger effort than what I had planned for, um, but I didn't want to give up halfway. So, you know, really went all out to build the platform uh, on that. And from a calendar time standpoint, I think we took about three, three and a half years to build the platform. That's amazing. Were there, um, were there any other companies working on the same problem around this time? Yeah, as I, as I started building the platform, as I started doing it, yes, there was other companies uh, which started doing this. I Again, when I started this solving the problem, I didn't realize others had the problem too. And as I realized others had the problem too, obviously other companies were also coming in, right? They were all coming in from different angles uh, towards this, uh, you know, lack of developer uh, thing. So Tom, if you, if you go back to last 20, 25 years, software programmers, if you look at the unemployment rate, you will never have find a software programmer who's unemployed, right? If he or she is good, they have a job. I mean, they they have a job before they leave a job, right? So, so, uh, so that problem exists, right? And 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 as I realized that that problem is much broader than me, there were other companies who were trying to solve this problem as well, tackle this problem. 
Got it. Um, I guess I'd love to hear kind of the next chapter and, and where I'm trying to build a bridge to is thinking about the way that I met you through the Boston guys, but thinking about building a bridge to, you know, raising money and like the early days to maybe just before the rebrand to pillar, what else was going on during that period that you think would be interesting to chat about? So as I, as I released, so when we released the solution, uh, we had some customers, you know, during the three year period as well. It's not like, you know, we were just building product that's down. Uh, we were also getting some customers uh, in the early version of the platform. And, and to be honest, the customers did give us some very valuable feedback as well to, you know, for the next version and so on and so forth to finish our roadmap, right? Um, I'm trying to bridge the uh, thing to Pillar. So when we launched the product, uh, we started, uh, one problem was there was too many players by the time we launched and everybody was talking about low code and this and that, um, you know, no code, different flavors. One of the things that worked out well for us, Tom, is um, we started later than most of the other folks who were bigger than us. So we had the advantage of a more modern technology. So we started using, for example, you know, we, we are as cloud native and design in the cloud as you can get. So, um, you know, our infrastructure scales, scales up automatically when you have people and it's, you know, shuts down when you don't have people, right? Um, so that is, you know, a lot of modern technologies, you know, that we used. Um, we also started on the mobile side. So we really built our whole platform to solve a, a mobile first world. I mean, my, we, I believed that everything would be mobile first. And, and there was a lot of talk around that as well, you know, in, in, in you know, 15, 16, uh, 14, you know, timeframe. Uh, so we really started on the mobile. And the good thing that worked for us is mobile is more difficult to solve than the web side of it. Um, and we solved the mobile first, then we went to the web. So we even went from the smaller device to the largest device. Where I'm going with all of this is it really forced us to make the technology superior to anybody else in the market. Uh, we just didn't know that how, how superior we were in terms of the market. Um, but once we started going out to the, to the market, we were able to get this um, customers in a specific pattern, which was all around manufacturing and oil and gas and, and basically the asset heavy industries uh, that wanted, you know, very sophisticated offline access. And we were actually growing at a good, you know, 100%, you know, rate, you know, um, year on year, right? Uh, and we, we soon reached a stage where, you know, we didn't have enough bandwidth. Um, so I was talking to, you know, Jared, you know, from audio, that's when I decided to, you know, go and, you know, raise a raise around. Um, me and Jared probably chatted for about, I would say a year or more than a year, actually. Um, in the, the, the initial days was, you know, just a typical VC to an entrepreneur, you know, company, right? Just, you know, being in touch. Uh, then over a period of time, you know, it got a little bit more serious, you know, started talking a little bit more. 
um, I went through the most severe due diligence I've ever, I would have ever anticipated <laughs> ever, <laughs> um, you know, um, audio and, and then the team, they, they literally went through line by line and I had about 4 million lines of code. So it was not a small you know, piece <laughs> to go through. <laughs> wow. um, so it was a very, very detailed uh, due diligence that was performed by them because I was claiming things, honestly, that none of my competitors did. And um, it made sense for them to, you know, get a technical guru and, you know, go through every line of code. And it kind of worked for me as well because you know now now you know right you know how the code works um so that's that's what happened and then you know we finally closed the you know what what i'm calling as a growth equity round this year um you know uh, mid-year actually uh and and here we are um and you know rebranded the the name from apps freedom to pillar and i have a story on the rebranding as well but please <laughs> you want me to get into that story as well? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So so when I started the Apps Freedom company, Tom, it was all about apps. I was just thinking mobile, uh, mobile first, apps, 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 right? Um, once we started building the platform, we started into web, we started into other things. We covered all different flavors of Android. I started really automating, not just building the application, but the full software development lifecycle, which means defining the requirements, you know, building the application, testing the application, launching it, managing it. So I started um, automating and speeding up the full development lifecycle because again, I didn't have a choice. I didn't you know, I didn't want to just do only the build part of it. You know, I wanted to do everything because I wanted to keep my, you know, again, same theory of a non-technical uh, programmer actually be able to build and manage the whole thing, right? So so I started, you know, doing the whole thing. Now, what happened during that process is um, this whole digital transformation started picking up. Um, our customers started moving us into the digital transformation piece. So it was no longer about just building an app. It's like, oh, I have this manual process using spreadsheets, you know, can I digitize that process? Yeah, of course you can do it, right? Um, I have this old, um, you know, legacy application that I need to retool it. Like, yeah, of course you can do it. So it started becoming more, more than apps. Um, and we reached a point where um, the, the the apps was really bringing us down. Uh, you know, the freedom part of apps was great, but when we were going out with apps freedom, we were still known as, oh, you do apps. So do you, are you an app provider, right? Uh, do you, are you a consulting firm that does app provider? So so we want, want to come out of it. Um, you know, we're clear about that we need to rebrand, um, you know, when we, you know, uh, when when audio came in, um, I met JR honestly much before I met you know Jared from Audi as well. Uh, so so there was a clear uh, need to rebrand, um, and we struggled to find the name <laughs> honestly. Uh, but we knew that at the at the core we let people innovate. You know we let people um, you know take their ideas and you know come up with new things. We let people take their old archaic processes. And, and come up with new things. And and these people are not technical programmers or anything. You know, it, it's it's all around innovation. Um, and that's how this, you know, 
we settled on this name Pillar, um, which is P-I-L-L-I-R, and the second I really stands for innovation. I love that. Uh, so it's really being a being a foundation uh, for innovation for our for our uh, enterprises, and I, I strongly believe about that. You know, there's there's a big reason why I, I feel companies need to innovate. And again, I'm not saying anything new over here, um, but I also strongly feel that we actually enable companies to to innovate. You know, everybody in the in the company can actually innovate now. I love it. I think you guys nailed it. Uh, two more questions. One is. Do you remember any names that didn't make it through that were, you know, second or third place or any funny ones that you thought were just kind of goofy? Yeah, there was so many names that did not make it through. <laughs> uh, one of the names that, you know, we all liked, um, you know, everybody in the company. You know, um, so, so. For the company naming, um, Tom, we also did a small uh, competition within the company. So that's about 25, 50 names came up, right? So it's not just three or four. So we are like tons of names. Got it. One of the names we absolutely loved was Marble. You know, it, it just made sense for us to, you know, have Marble, right? Um, you know, it, 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 you know it's, it's edgeless. You know, it's, it's round. Um, you know, so it 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 resonated with us because with our platform we we could provide digital transformation uh, to the edge of the company. And what I mean by the edge is edge could be the the boundaries of the company where uh, employees you know interact with partners and customers and, and other things. Edge could be remote places where you don't have connectivity. So there is different. Uh, meanings for the edge, even from the edge at the, of the business process, right? So, so marble is something that we we wanted to go with. Um, we couldn't, you know, different issues on trademark and and, and other things. That is a, after marble went out, we had a couple other names which really surfaced, uh, but none none really stuck out. Uh, you know, so, other than pillar, got it. Um, one last question is, what was your kind of first impression of jr he's a high energy guy (laughs) (laughs) he's he's very high energy um and he's in a in a in a lot of respect um opposite of me um you know which i like um you know i i'm i'm good at, at at certain things and i'm not good at certain things and i saw him um, you know, being good at the things that I lack. Um, so, so, so that was the first impression of, of me with JR. Got it. And for people that are listening eventually that don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about JR Butler, who is your CRO. Um, yes. He's a, a Boston guy and, and was part of the way that we got connected. So uh, just for some context there. And I think um, we're at, 30 minutes right now. So I think we got into a good rhythm there again. And for the next one, I think we could talk about, um, you know, hitting the road and, and starting to sell pillar and, and working as part of the new team. And then I'd love to uh, dig in on, you know, after the round closes, what your intentions are to do with the new resources. Um, I think there's just a lot of really interesting things we can get into there. So, that was a lot of fun for me, Vedya. I really appreciate it. Do you have anything else that you want to wrap up with? 
Um, I'm good, Tom. I'm looking forward for the next one as well. Would love to, you know, get into those details. I enjoyed the conversation as well. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Vijay. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tom. Bye.